As monsters from the id, zombies win out over vampires and werewolves when it comes to the title of most potent metaphorical monster. Where their pointy-toothed cousins are all about sex and bestial savagery, the zombie trumps all by personifying our deepest fear. Death. Zombies are our destiny, writ large. Slow and steady in their approach. Weak, clumsy, often absurd. The zombie relentlessly closes in. Unstoppable. Intractable. Hello there, gays and ghouls. I'm Sean Reedy. I'm Katie Toole. And this is Friday Night Frights. Welcome to our very first mini episode. Yay, it's the first one. <laughs> um, <laughs> we are calling these the jump scares because we're ridiculous. This has been well established. If you're surprised by now, I don't know where you've been. Yeah. Welcome aboard, I guess. I don't know. Doot doot. <laughs> <laughs> So since we are doing, um, well, since we did Night of the Living Dead last week and we will be doing uh, Dawn of the Dead, I almost said Return of the Living Dead, since we were doing Dawn of the Dead <laughs> this Friday for Black Friday, um, we thought that it might be fun to do a little mini episode where we can kind of delve into the history of the zombie in general. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what we're going to do tonight. I have done uh, quite a bit of research on the history of the zombie and i am going to uh tell sean and you guys Mm -hmm. all about it i'm excited to learn learning things learning is fun yay demental (laughs) (laughs) the more you know um so the quote at the top of the show is from simon Pegg, actually uh known of course for doing a little zombie movie called Shaun of the Dead himself. Just uh, a small Just small a flick. little, little quiet, you know, niche film. You may have not heard of it. Mm-hmm. They also spelled Shaun wrong. Yeah, that's like the one, like if I had to give it a downvote at all, it would be because they spelled Shaun wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, the film is absolutely perfect in oh every single way. It really is. The scene, I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about Shaun of the Dead oh, at some absolutely. point. But... The scene where they are playing Mr. Fahrenheit. No, that's not what that song is called. What is that song called? Don't Stop Me Now is what it's actually called. Yes. I always called it Mr. Fahrenheit when I was a kid. Because he says Mr. Fahrenheit a lot. Um, while they're beating on the... <laughs> say Mr. Fahrenheit a lot, doesn't he? <laughs> he does. <laughs> Didn't even it's like the, the like main... Yeah. Main he says thing. it as much as he says Don't Stop Me Now. Yeah. Um, that is one of my favorite songs. Like, I love, love, love Queen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the first time I was watching that movie, when they start fired up that song, I was just like, oh. <laughs> this is like everything I love coming together. Um, okay. I also read excellent articles by uh, Amy Wilentz. That was in the New York Times. Lakshmi Gandhi uh, for Code Switch. That's an NPR and then in the Atlantic, both James Parker uh, and Mike Mariani. I will link all of these sources on our social media. 
So yeah, so you'll be able to go and, and read all of those. And then, of course, the consummate source, uh, Wikipedia. Of course. Blessed be. Because this is not a peer-reviewed academic paper. So I can use Wikipedia, bitches. If you say otherwise, then get fucked. <laughs> okay, so uh, let's start with the word itself. Zombie, mm-hmm. right? Um, the etymology of the word zombie is not 100% clear, but the general consensus seems to be, based on what I've read, that it comes from the uh, West African language words for god or fetish. Congo is the specific language that we're talking about, and the word for god is nzambi, and zumbi or inzumbi is fetish. And now when I say fetish, it's not a sex thing, just to be clear. It's not our idea of a fetish. We're talking to you, all of America. Yes, sickos. (laughs) No, a fetish in this context is... um, an object that has supernatural or spiritual power. If you have a little statue, right, of a Yoruba deity, mm-hmm. and the idea, and the idea often is this in, in those religions, um, that the deity actually inhabits that little statue from time to time to interact with the corporeal world, that is a fetish. That's the difference mm. between a fetish and a regular figurine, right? Interesting. Okay. Is that people in religions uh, where fetishes are used, people believe the object itself holds power. Got it. Make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it does kind of make sense that um, that would be a route for a zombie. For the word zombie. Um, there's also a Congo word, vumbi, which basically means ghost, which is probably relevant to this conversation, right? Yeah, like, just a hair. <laughs> just a hair. Um, the idea of a reanimated corpse has been around pretty much since the dawn of time. Like, literally Mesopotamia, mm-hmm. the Epic of Gilgamesh, one of the adversaries threatens to raise the dead who will then eat the flesh of the living. The Epic of Gilgamesh. That's how long this idea has been around. Well, they... Um, There were Greek Greek creatures called Virkolakas uh, from ancient Greece. They are usually associated with, like, vampire myths, But what's interesting is that unlike the traditional European vampire, they don't drink blood, they eat people's livers. So there have been some who have argued that they should be sort of grouped in with zombies rather than vampires. Because the difference, I mean, basically the difference between a zombie and a vampire is zombies eat flesh and vampires drink blood. Right. Right. That's that's like your difference. Because essentially a vampire is also a reanimated corpse. Right. Right. Um, In most media, vampires retain their personalities more so than zombies. But there Mm -hmm. are sort of variations, obviously, of both vampire literature and zombie literature where either the zombies retain their personalities. For example, in My Boyfriend's Back from the 90s. 
Deep cut, folks. <laughs> like, I don't know this one. Oh, really? I loved it as a kid. I loved that movie. It was so dumb. <laughs> um, or, as we talked about last week, in I Am Legend, uh, you know, those vampires were not. They were not the vampire Lestat. They were not charming. No. They were not Dracula. They were not intelligent. They did not retain who they were before they died. They were just, like, parasites yeah. who were, like, you know rampaging through through the city um but i want to focus on the zombie of afro-caribbean lore um oh i will say one thing before i dive into that though the term the undead this is like just a Fun little factoid that I learned while I was doing this research that I really loved. The term undead in relation to, like, a being who was dead and then was no longer dead, mm -hmm. right? Like, it had been used in the context of literally just not being dead, like a person being alive. But the specific context in which we use it now, where it's something that should be dead, but is not, Bram Stoker. Oh. Bram Stoker yeah. was the first person to use that term in that context, at least in Western literature. So it more so started with the thought of vampires. So it more so started with the thought of vampires, obviously, because that was in Dracula. Right. Right. Um, but still, I thought that was interesting. Yeah. So what is a zombie? Tell me. Originally, a zombie was deeply tied to slavery. So in Haiti, um, one of the dominant religions is Vodou, right? Mm -hmm. um, it is often sort of bastardized in U.S. media as voodoo, although in Louisiana it is like called voodoo the religion itself they call it voodoo itself mm -hmm. themselves right um but we're gonna call it voodoo just because it's just to differentiate it from like the sort of pop culture stereotype about it like this is a legitimate religion um where that religion comes from is a mixing of traditional african religions particularly from west africa which is where um quite a few of the enslaved people came from that came into this particular region. It was sort of, you know, uh, before the slave trade penetrated further east into the continent, right? Um, so you have these traditional West African religions. Mm -hmm. And then those people are ripped from their homeland and carried across the ocean to be worked literally to death. By, in this case, the French. The French are overwhelmingly Catholic. To this day. Yes. France is overwhelmingly Catholic. Mm -hmm. um, so what started to happen as missionaries and just generally like the, the slavers, right, started to teach or try to force... Uh, Catholicism on these enslaved people is that these West African religions and Catholicism started to blend. Mm 
into something new. Um, we call that a syncretic religion. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, so originally, here was the idea. You were a slave. Mm-hmm. Slavery was forever, right? Mm-hmm. The only escape from it would be death. Many of the slaves believed that when they died, they would be taken back to Africa. That there there would be sort of this um, paradise, afterlife, heaven type thing. But it would essentially be Africa. Okay. Right? However, if you pissed off the Loire, which were the spirits... In the Vodou religion. And there were a lot of ways to do this. Mm-hmm. But suicide was actually one of the quickest ways to piss these people off. Then you would not be taken back to Africa. And either your spirit or your body. Because in this tradition, actually, zombies are sometimes incorporeal. Which is, of course, the major difference between these zombies and the modern American version of a zombie is that the modern American version of a zombie is always corporeal. It is always the body without the soul. It is never the soul without the body. Yeah. If you have the soul without the body, that's a ghost. Right. Right. Um, The line is blurrier or was blurrier back in the day in Haiti. Mm -hmm. Right. So a zombie can be incorporeal, but usually it manifested as the body without the soul. So, your body uh, without its soul would be stuck in Haiti and would be made to work for all eternity. So if you think about it, it makes perfect sense for enslaved people who came from Africa, were kidnapped and, you know, brutally, brutally subjugated, that heaven would be Africa. Right. And hell would be continued slavery. Right. Right. Um, in, uh, at the turn of the 19th century, Haiti actually revolted and overthrew the French. Um, Haiti is actually the only country that uh, overthrew its colonial um, occupiers and abolish slavery themselves. Damn. Get right? in Haiti. Um, so slavery was abolished in Haiti at the turn of the 19th century when it became an independent nation. And at that point, the zombie began to evolve, but it never went away. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so the idea that you could be a zombie because you pissed off the spirits was still alive and well mm-hmm. <laughs> or undead if you will um, <laughs> oh man um primarily the spirit that you didn't want to piss off was um baron samadhi baron samadhi is the lord of the cemetery mm-hmm. in the Vodou religion and also in like americanized uh um voodoo 
mm-hmm. like Louisiana voodoo as well. Um, if you have ever seen The Princess and the Frog, I believe he is a character in that movie. Um, if you also, uh, if yeah, right? Yeah, he is. Yeah, yes. He he's like the adversary in that yeah. movie. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's often styled as skeletal, mm-hmm. but dressed as a businessman, which gives you a little bit more, again, of the hint of like who the, the quote unquote devil was, right? right? Because generally in Vodou, even though there is a supreme being creator God type mm-hmm. person, right? Like the Judeo Christian God, I shouldn't say that, like the Abrahamic God, um, there isn't a devil necessarily. Right? Right. Everyone is kind of morally ambiguous. Um, the Lua are, are more akin to, like, if they had sort of an analog in Catholicism, it would be like the saints. And some of the Lua are Christian saints. Like, they have just transferred them. Right. Um, but a lot of them are based on West African deities, and most West African deities are more ambiguous than simply good or evil, right? Like they are more complex than that. Mm-hmm. So Baron Samadhi is uh, dressed as a businessman. He's got a top hat. He's got like dark glasses often, and he's kind of skeletal. He's wearing a suit. Um, if you haven't seen The Princess and the Frog, but you have seen Hocus Pocus, the guy who is the head of the band that's playing I Put a Spell on You when oh when like when he steps in and takes the mic right is dressed as Baron Samity you know I never made that connection before I was just like yeah he's a dude in a he's, he's a skeleton in his top hat right right Baron Samity so anyway it I would be that. up to so Baron Samity is is the spirit who digs your grave for you and then allows you to pass on to the other side. In this case, the other side would be this paradisal Africa, right? You piss him off, you don't get to go. You're doomed to wander around Haiti as a zombie. So after the revolution, the idea of quote unquote zombification as something that you did to yourself through sin and through like pissing off the the spirits faded a little bit like i said it was still there but the idea of the zombie became something that was done to you um by a bokar which is a sorcerer right mm-hmm. so uh, a bokar would enslave you again Right? So slavery's been abolished. Right? There are no slaves in Haiti anymore. Mm-hmm. Colonialism is technically over. But the pesky thing about colonialism is that its remnants are always left over. Right? Um, so there was this sort of diffuse cultural anxiety about either falling back into a slave economy or falling back under the control of the French within Haiti, right? So the idea of the zombie became less like a warning against behavior that would continue your lived experience, right? Like the fear was very real that you would have to keep doing this even after you died, 
right? And sort of shifted to this is something that could happen to you, that you could be enslaved again. Even if you yourself, several generations down the line, were never actually a slave, just that cultural memory right. is still there and that cultural trauma is still there. So there was a lot of anxiety about that. Um, so that is the version of the zombie that eventually caught the attention of Americans, right? Um, the West was introduced to Vodou at large as a religion in a 1929 book called uh, The Magic Island, which I'm sure was not racist at all. I haven't read it. I'm kidding, it was probably very racist. Um, and then in 1932, uh, the film White Zombie was made, right? Starring Bela Lugosi, where he was essentially taking the role of a Bokar, although the religion was sort of like fiddled out of it a little bit, right? But he was the one making zombies. So until Matheson and Romero, until that era, if somebody was a zombie, it was because someone did that to them. Right. Mm -hmm. um, another example where there are technically zombies is uh, Plan Nine from Outer Space. <laughs> oh, Plan Nine! Oh, Plan Nine! <laughs> so excited to do that movie. Um, also, uh, Herbert West Reanimator, the Lovecraft stories. Right. That on which Reanimator is based. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, those. Again, it was a mad scientist who was, you know, reanimating these corpses. Mm -hmm. Even you you could connect, um, going even further back, Frankenstein. Right. Right? Mm -hmm. But again, that is a scientist who is specifically looking to reanimate corpses. Right. The element that entered into the sort of undead, um, the idea of the undead and the cultural imagination of mid-century Americans that hadn't really existed before that mm -hmm. in this form was the idea that nobody had control over the zombies. That nobody did it on purpose. That it was just a general catastrophe that was happening to everyone. Right. That's what was new. Also, Haitian zombies, there, there's, there's, no real, there's no real association with flesh eating or cannibalism at all with Haitian zombies. They're just undead. They're just undead. They are the victims. Right. Right? So that is another sort of big switch, although in certain zombie media, the zombies are certainly more sympathetic than in others, but right. because, because they're not responsible for what they're doing. Right. Um, but in, in the, the zombie of Vodou, you are in every way, shape, and form a victim if you've been made a zombie. Mm -hmm. Right? Like someone has targeted you and done this to you. So, and anything that you do is not your responsibility. Right. Because you are under their complete control. You don't even know who you are anymore. Now, you can't really have this conversation without mentioning Wade Davis. I'm going to do so very briefly because I kind of like fuck that guy. <laughs> But 
the Haitian archetype of a zombie, right? Another difference between the American version of zombie and the Haitian version of a zombie is that there is debate over whether or not Haitian zombies are real. Not that they're dead, but that there are people who are enslaved and held in trance in sort of a walking coma for years and years and years. Mm -hmm. Now, this has been largely dismissed, but it was originally popularized. Okay, this has been largely dismissed by the scientific community. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I am not here to dispute the religious beliefs of, of the people of Haiti, right? But scientifically, it has been largely dismissed, except for Wade Davis. So Wade Davis um, was the author of The Serpent and the Rainbow, which, of course, we will, I'm sure we will talk about at some point because Wes Craven made it into a movie, right, right? Uh, starring Bill Pullman. <laughs> but he went to Haiti, and he, he claimed that he, he not only met Bokars who had made zombies, but met people who had been zombies, and we will talk uh, about a man who claimed to have been a zombie and determined what was in the quote-unquote zombie powder that they would use to induce this trance. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, not going to get really into it. Uh, he, he claimed that there were a couple of different chemicals. He provided samples to people uh, who analyzed it, and they said there's not enough of these chemicals in these samples to do anything really to somebody, and also these chemicals wouldn't do what you're saying that they're going to do. So... Again, been largely dismissed. But Wade Davis is responsible largely for the American public's, or sort of the Western public's actually, um, knowledge of the Haitian zombie archetype. Right? Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, if you're going to talk about zombies, especially the Haitian archetype of a zombie, mm-hmm. You really need to talk about a, a man named uh, Claire Vivius Narcisse, who was a Haitian man. He was born in 1922. And he claimed until his dying day, and if you believe him, it was in fact his second dying day, right? that he had been enslaved as a zombie. Uh, in 1962, he admitted himself to a hospital with uh, various symptoms that were unexplained. He had a fever. He was splitting up, spitting up blood. The doctors assumed it was some sort of hemorrhagic fever that was, you know, heretofore unidentified. Uh, and he got worse and worse. And then he was pronounced dead and held in uh, cold storage and then buried. In 1980... 18 years later, uh, Angelina Narcisse, who was his sister, mm-hmm. was in a market and was approached by a man claiming to be her dead brother. And he knew nicknames. He knew information about the family that no one should have known except for someone who was a part of that family. Mm -hmm. Um, He claimed that he had been fully alive and aware of what was going on 
but completely paralyzed as he was pronounced dead, kept in cold storage, and then buried. And then he had been uh, removed from his grave and forced to work at a sugar plantation, eventually escaping. Um, and reuniting with his family. Wade Davis believed this man. Mm -hmm. And there is... Um, so Wade Davis believed this man and, and popularized his story uh, along with, you know, the rest of his research about this. Um, there is, of course, widespread skepticism about this man's story. Uh, his family, though, the family of uh, Clairvius of Narcisse believed this man until his death in 1994 to be Clairvius Narcisse, the brother who died mm -hmm. in 1962. So it's an interesting little thing because I, I think it's important to remember that while it is a fun bit of escapism for us, it is a, um, while not a formal part of Vodou, right? There's, it's not actually like an official part of Vodou. Uh, it is it is fundamental to the belief systems of some people. Right. So, but very interesting. But also kind of fuckway days. Why do we call them zombies now? Why is that? As with most things, one can blame the French. So. <laughs> <laughs> I've been so excited to say that line all day. <laughs> In Night of the Living Dead, Romero, when he wrote the script, when Romero, well, when Romero and Russo wrote the script to Night of the Living Dead, they never once used the word zombie. Right. They called them ghouls. Mm-hmm. Um, however, by the time that Romero was writing Dawn of the Dead, a decade later, mm -hmm. in the script, they are referred to as zombies. So what changed? Uh, Romero was asked about this. And he said that it was actually largely um, film critics who started using that term to describe his monsters, mm -hmm. right? Because there wasn't a name for his monsters, if you think about it. Right. Right? Like, uh, he had created something entirely new that had, like, took pieces of other things, mm -hmm. certainly. But in, in, in this manifestation didn't really exist elsewhere. So what do you call these things? In the movie, they called them these things, right? right. Um, so it was largely film critics who started calling them zombies, specifically and most prominently French film critics. Which makes sense, because the yeah. French were the, the colonial occupiers of the Haitians, right? right? So, so they would have been they sort of had a, a larger sort of cultural well of Afro-Caribbean folklore that they were at least like adjacent to or like vaguely aware of than the sort of United States at that point would have had, right? So they are like, they looked at these things and they're like, oh, they look like zombies, right? And so they started calling them zombies. 
and that's what they became. And then, of course, as we know, and as we will talk about again and again and again, the idea of the zombie positively took off, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, the number of, of zombie media, both serious and satirical, you know, Pride, Prejudice, and Zombies by Graham Smith, right? Like, adding zombies to classic literature as a joke, mm -hmm. right? How to Survive a Zombie Apocalypse. The CDC has a zombie apocalypse plan on their website. Do they really? They do. That's <sighs> how entrenched zombies are in the zeitgeist. That even the CDC isn't on the joke, right? And when you think about it, like, yes, it makes sense why enslaved people in, um, you know, 18th century Haiti mm -hmm. were so afraid of becoming a zombie because it, it would prolong their enslavement, right? Right. That makes sense. But also, it makes sense that we are so scared of zombies. Um, a, like Simon Pegg said, because zombies are often so blank, mm -hmm. you can project anything you want onto a zombie. Mm -hmm. Zombies have at various times represented uh, the fear of pandemics, high 2020, the fear mm -hmm. of, um, or not the fear of, like they've been a critique of capitalism. Mm -hmm. Romero did that a lot, a lot. right? Consumerism. Um, they have represented the proletariat. They have represented, um, they have represented, you know, uh, they have been involved in the representation of like nuclear fallout. They've been involved. They've been a metaphor for the Vietnam War. They've been a metaphor, right? Like you, you can project anything you want on want onto a zombie. Mm -hmm. However, if you broaden that out to the undead in general, right? Almost all of our monsters are things that are supposed to be dead, but they're not. And like, yes, again, as Simon Pegg said, they personify our deepest fear, which is death. I would argue that our deepest fear isn't actually death. In this case, our deepest fear is that death is not final, but that it's not final in, in a way that we don't want it to be, right? Because what a zombie or a vampire or a ghost, or Frankenstein, or any of those things does is completely disrupts your understanding of the natural world. Mm -hmm. As a, a modern American, right? right. Um, obviously, in the past, the relationship between society and the natural world has been different. Right? Absolutely. But generally, the idea in modern Western society is that when you're dead, you're done. Mm -hmm. Right? And like, there are only two certainties in life, death and taxes. Ha ha ha. Right? right. What if death wasn't certain? I think that when we were talking about Night of the Living Dead, you quoted Romero as saying... Um, he wanted to do something that would 
would shake reality to its core, mm-hmm. right? Or, or something along those lines. Like something that would be so paradigm shattering that you wouldn't even know which way was up and down anymore. Because if the dead people won't stay dead, what do you know at that point? You know nothing. Right? Um, so yeah, I actually, I actually think we are more afraid of things that are supposed to be dead than we are of death itself. Because that represents an unknown that we are simply not equipped to handle. Mm-hmm. I've never thought about it that way at all. I mean, think about it. Yeah. What's scary? Ghosts? Mummies? Vampires? Skeletons that move around? Mm-hmm. Like, when people see skeletons in movies that are just laying there, like scattered bones, they are startled, certainly. Mm-hmm. They're not happy. Right. They're like, oh, this might be me eventually. <laughs> this might be me. Right. Like that, that's a memento mori. That is a, right. re- that's a reminder of your mortality is when you see, when you see the corpse. Right. And that's, and that's scary. Mm-hmm. It's not as scary as when the corpse gets up though. Right. Like they're like, oh no, a corpse. Oh God. And then it starts to get up and they're like, ah! and they run away. <laughs> Right? Like, it, it's because that thing is supposed to be dead. Mm-hmm. And when it opens its eyes and stands up, their sense of reality is completely shattered. Mm-hmm. Everything they know to be true just left them. Right? No wonder Barbara was so shocked. So I do have a question about Clervius Narcisse and... There's just one thing about it that I'm intrigued about Mm -hmm. or like, I guess like a, why would he be, and maybe I, and I'm asking as a legitimate question too, why would he be brought back or why would he be turned into a zombie to be buried and then taken to be like to work on a sugar plantation of all things? Well, that that's a remnant of the association with slavery. Right. Like it's, even I guess that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, right. he was turned into a slave, literally. Right. Yes. Like occasionally a, a bokor would turn somebody into a zombie just because he was pissed at him. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but generally, the idea was that it was about enslavement, even even after. Slavery was abolished. And, and like I said, it, it was it was sort of a manifestation of this deep-seated anxiety mm-hmm. about um, the country as a whole returning to slavery. And it was a remnant of this sort of like profound communal trauma of, of being, you know, a slave state. I mean, the, the number of, I forget what the exact number is, but I think it was something like, I think it was like something like 90% or 95% of the population of Haiti was enslaved people before the revolution. Jesus. Like, that was it. Like, that was, it was just people who were there to work. Mm-hmm. To death. Right. Um, there was also, so the, part of the reason that this, that the, that the sugar plantation angle of it 
remained. Um, Haiti, even to this day, is, is an incredibly impoverished nation as a whole, mm-hmm. right? They've had a bad time of it, like, and and the the, the Western world has not helped. <laughs> but, like in any sort of former um, colonial holding, there are people who are very, very rich, because what often happens with post-colonial countries is that business just replaces the government, right? So like the French left and the sugar companies moved in and you know what I mean? Like the, Mm -hmm. the sort of the control just kind of switches. And I, I don't mean to minimize at all what the Haitians did. Right. Because they are the only country that overthrew colonialism and abolished slavery themselves. Like, like I said, 95, 90 some odd percent of them were enslaved people and they rose up. It is the most successful slave revolt in the history of the world. That being said, that wasn't the end of oppression for these people. Right. Um, So I think that there was this sort of underlying buzz of, thinking that the people who owned the sugar plantations um, after slavery had sort of officially ended was that there's no way that they could be as rich as they were Mm -hmm. without dark magic. Right. So, so it was also a manifestation of mistrust of the owners of the sugar plantations who were not, even after slavery was abolished, like treating the masses at large very well, right? Mm -hmm. Like weren't doing a ton to help them out or anything um, while a large portion of the population languished and continues to languish in poverty and disease. Like cholera, freaking cholera in Haiti is just like rampant. Um, It's terrible. Um, And interesting because like people who... The imagery of someone who is is dying or has died from cholera, like the way that they look, kind of reminds one of a zombie, right? So yeah. it's it's kind of like they're they're sort of, you can see where the pieces have been pulled, right? Right. Um, so it is a manifestation of that mistrust of like they must be doing something evil, but like not just evil in like, oh they're evil because they're exploiting the land and the resources of this place while the people are are you know, starving and dying of disease and yada, yada, yada. But like evil in a supernatural way. Right. So that that is why even in 1962, 1962, and, and really the 80s by the time this story broke, right? Um, the story that was accepted by a great many people was that Clairvius Narcisse was turned into a zombie so he could be enslaved on a sugar plantation. We hope you enjoyed this weeknight bite. Join us Friday night for the big fright. We'll be gnawing on Dawn of the Dead. The movie that turned ghouls into zombies. <laughs>